Okay, let's let's pray and we'll uh, we'll get back into John four right here. Heavenly Father, we come in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. Thank you for your word, your grace towards us. Lord, thank you for blessing us with these times together uh, that refresh us. And Lord, the the many many cool drinks that we received from Your Word, from Your truth. Lord, um, we thank You for the work that You're doing in us by Your Spirit. Not only as individuals, but as a church. And Lord, we pray that You use us to bring glory and honor to Your name. Lord, in whatever role we play, whatever small part that we may be used to bring the message of Christ to the nations, and Father, uh, that through it all, You are magnified glorified. Tonight, Lord, as we look at this passage, uh, grant wisdom, discernment, understanding that we may receive Your truth and be changed by it. That we may take on Your vision and say of, our, of You and of ourselves, uh, like John the Baptist, You must increase and we must decrease. Again, for your honor and glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to do basically the same verses tonight, but I want to look at it from a little different perspective. Um, there is, this is kind of an understatement, isn't it? But there is much to be learned from Jesus. And typically, you know, when you... Uh, when you look at a text, and the idea is, um, at least in expositional preaching, the idea is to make the point of the text the point of the sermon. I mean, that's a, that's a simple rule for faithful expository preaching. The point of the text is the point of the sermon. Um, so, what I'm gonna, what I want to do tonight is is not so much the main point of the text. That's what we did this morning, um, but. I want to look at the way from from this one example, and of course there are many others, but from this example, I want to look at the way um, Jesus does evangelism, and just to glean a little bit of uh, uh, from it. Uh, I say a little bit because we'd never we'd never exhaust it, but he's he's definitely <laughs> definitely the master. In uh, in many many ways, in everything that he does, so certainly that's the case with with carrying the gospel message as well. Preacher, he was he's the the uh, the master and the example. Evangelist, he's the master and the example. Storyteller, he's the master and example. And you can go on <laughs> down the list. So much to learn from Jesus. So we'll just we'll just go in and kind of read as we go. Um, but uh, but again, that's going to kind of be my objective here is is to look at how he's dealing with people, and we may think of some other examples as we're moving through this one. Just like this morning, I was kind of uh, comparing and contrasting the way that he dealt with uh, Nicodemus uh, alongside the way he's dealing with this woman. But this this to me is a classic one. Uh, it's, just, it's just always moving to me to read read through this this section. So. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just do that. How, how Jesus does evangelism, at least one example 
here. And, and for starters, um, number one is take advantage of opportunities that come your way. Now, this is going to be one of the things that I, that I, I hope to try to point out here for, for myself and for all of us. Uh, a lot of times, the, these things are really happening in the mundane and, and I don't know if you're, maybe it's just me, but I don't think it is. But a, a lot of times what we would prefer is something a little more um, extravagant or exciting, you know, lightning bolts from heaven or, or something like that. You know, we, we want the Philip experience, you know, where the Lord translates us from one geographic area to another and plops us right down in the path uh, or alongside uh, a man who's in need of the gospel and who's reading the book of Isaiah and basically says, what is this talking about? You know, I remember hearing John MacArthur uh, giving a similar, <laughs> similar story one time. Of course, this is certainly not the norm. This is the exception, and that's what he was talking about. But he said he sat down on an airplane like he does so often, and, and this guy doesn't have a clue who he is, and he doesn't, the guy that he's sitting next to, they don't know each other from Adam. And somewhere along in the flight, the guy turns to him and says, can you tell me how to be saved? <laughs> and, and he liked to fell out of his seat, but uh, but he did. He told him how to be safe. But that's not the norm. That's usually not how things happen. Um, it's it's usually just happening in the mundane. However, that may be an example of of uh, you know taking an opportunity when it comes, right? So here Jesus is. I mentioned this morning. There are circumstances that send him down this road to Galilee, and there are just. Um, well, let's say it this way. Common things and common places uh, that, that come into play here. The circumstances are um, the Pharisees finding out that he's baptizing more people than John. And so, obviously, as I mentioned this morning, there, there, there's some hint here that he's under their scrutiny, and for whatever reason he decides um, with the two of them being scrutinized by the Pharisees that it's, it's time to move on. And then he goes down to Galilee taking the common road, the common route. And this, this was the, the shortest route. This was the way that people traveled from Jerusalem to, uh, to Galilee. So there's, there's nothing happening out of the ordinary here, and yet, in the midst of it, God is at work. God's doing something. God's putting something together. So in the midst of His movement from Jerusalem to Galilee... He comes across a woman and seizes the opportunity. Now, if, if, I'm, if I'm making that sound like happenstance, uh, I'm, I'm really trying to do just the opposite. That's what I'm saying. There's, there's never, it's, it's always orchestrated. And I think that's the case with us as well. We, we move through life, and, and we often feel like it's, it's just random. Like a ball in a pinball machine. I mean, it's just, you're just bouncing off bumpers everywhere. And half the time, you know, I don't know where I'm going and I'm running into myself coming and going and this and that. And you, you feel like things are so chaotic and random and we forget in the midst of all that that God is orchestrating all things. Right. Romans 8.28, all things. I, I think it really means all things. And so it, it, it may be, from our viewpoint, chaotic and out of control, but it's never that way from God's viewpoint. 
And so, I, you know, this, this is an ongoing lesson for me, you know, seizing um, these opportunities in common places, in common situations. And I, I tell you, I, one thing I try to do, and this is one of the things I'm going to suggest here, and I'm, again, I'm kind of relating this to Jesus, just moving because of circumstances, taking the, the common route. It's, it's, good, it's good, I think, for us to be seen... Some of this happens naturally, some of it doesn't. But it's, it's good for us to be seen in and in, in frequent um, the same places. I think uh, that the Lord often uses that to provide opportunities to, to witness. And I say that because what happens if you, you go in the same places and you see the same people, you're able to build relationships with them and you're able to earn the right to... Uh, talk to them about the Lord. I mean, some people you can, you can do that right off the bat, and some people you can't. You've got to have time to get to know them, and you've got to work with them and, and let them get to know you so they don't think you're a freak. And, uh, you know, I mean, sometimes that doesn't matter, but sometimes it does. Uh, so I mean, we, we just have to use wisdom in every situation. But I think one good way to do that, and this is something, uh, this is especially difficult for me, and this is one reason I work hard at it, and I say especially difficult for me, is because I'm not an extrovert. I always marvel at people who can talk to anybody. And that's a, that's a, a really good gift. I mean, we, you know, we, we joke about it, people having the gift of gap. But it's, it's, it's a gift to be able to just talk to anybody. You see, sometimes you see people, they can, they can talk to other people. It doesn't matter if they're male or female. It doesn't matter if they're rich or poor. It doesn't matter, matter what their ethnicity is. They, they can just strike up a conversation with anybody. That's not me. But if I'm seen in a place regularly, and I can work on building a relationship, then it's more, uh, more likely to happen. So, so common places, you know, store, gas station, getting your hair cut, restaurants, whatever it is. I, myself, and uh, one of the things that I do, been doing it for probably, probably more than 15 years now, and it just started out of necessity, really, I guess, but, um, is, you know, I study Probably most of the time, I'm studying in public. And, and, and that's kind of, that got started in combination of the crazy hours that I was working at the time and, uh, and that, you know, wanting to uh, have doors open uh, because I'm not an extrovert and I'm not going to just strike up a conversation. So I put myself in places where, and I have had several times people come up and ask me what I'm doing. I was sitting in McDonald's the other day. This is one that I frequent quite a bit. And uh, their coffee's good and it's cheap and, and uh, I like that. And they think uh, uh, it's the only thing; it's insulting because they always give me the senior rate. But uh, <laughs> but you know, I can <laughs> I can take that. You know, but you know, save save a little money. But <laughs> uh, I want to you know tell the girl, what do you need glasses or what? But I think no, that wouldn't be a good witness. So. <laughs> But I was sitting in this McDonald's the other day, and I've talked with this manager before. He's a real nice guy. I mean, you know, just, hey, how you doing, and all that kind of thing. But the other day, he, just, he walked over and sat down, and he said, what are you doing anyway? He said, I always see you sitting here with your Bible open. What are you doing? So I got to talk to him a little while. So that, so that happens sometimes. And that helps me because I'm not, I don't mind talking to somebody, and I don't mind talking to him about the Lord, but I'm just not one to go up and just fire up a conversation on my own, so that helps me. And I, you know, one time I was approached by, 
Jehovah's Witness. And it's interesting sometimes. But uh, uh, commonplaces, being seen, going throughout the norm, mundane, that's, that's sort of what's happening here. I mean, Jesus is just going about His business. He's, he's going to say later on in chapter 4, just a few verses down, my meat is to do the Father's will. So all He's doing is, is constantly moving, doing the will of the Father. And in the process, He's taking every opportunity to serve. To, to serve the Word, and then, of course, He's also healing and, and so forth. But seize the opportunity. Learn to take advantage of the opportunities. Don't, don't brush them off. Another time I was in a, a, a Taco Bell. This was years ago. And uh, uh, it's, it's easy, you know, to, to just be too busy, too. And I'm thinking, I've got to get this stuff done. I think I was doing schoolwork at the time. And, I, and I'm, I'm so, I know it sounds crazy, but I'm in, a, I'm in a public place, but I'm wanting, you know, have some privacy. So I, I, I get my stuff, and, and I, when I'm going to sit down, I see this Shreveport police officer come in, whom I knew, and he says something, waves at me, and you know, I say, hey, how you doing? And I'm thinking, oh, I don't want to get in a big conversation here because i got work to do. So I go sit down and with my uh, good Taco Bell food and, and uh, break the books open, and he, he got his food in his tray, and he came and sat down in my booth. <laughs> so, so uh, you know... Uh, so it was a lesson for me. And I thought, you know, I, sh- I shouldn't, shouldn't ever be too busy when God's opening a door. Seize the opportunity. So learn to take the opportunities, even in, in the mundane situations. Secondly, be indiscriminate in witnessing. Oh man, this is a good one for our culture. Um, verse 7. Here, Jesus in the midst of doing all this, he, he's weary and he comes to Jacob's well and he sits down because he's tired. And a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And notice, at least as it's recorded here, who speaks first? Jesus. Now here he is seizing the opportunity and she's not exactly... Uh, the the type that you would think he's going to be comfortable talking with. For one thing, and this is, we talked a, a bit about this this morning, but she, she's a Samaritan. They're considered to be, you know, low lives, half breeds, outcasts, and she's a woman. And you see, down in verse twenty-seven, you can see the shock of his disciples. Just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman. But no one said, what do, you, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So they're shocked that he would be talking with a woman, and I'm sure even more so knowing that she was a Samaritan woman. Now, one of the points that I used this morning was Jesus is living above the biases. This is essential. This is essential for Christian ministry. And I'm not just talking about preachers. I mean, I'm talking about every Christian. Christian ministry worked out by every Christian. It's essential for Christian service. I've, I've been reading this uh, book of biographical sketches of missionaries over the past 2,000 years uh, in all, you know, all different um, settings and all different lands. And... Uh, one of the things that they had to deal with constantly, I mean, sometimes in their, in their, in their self, was 
what we call racism, you know, the biases. Some of them struggled with it themselves, even though they would go out, you know, we're going to go out and reach these people, they would still go out with an attitude of, a superior, of superiority and did a lot of damage. Did a lot of damage in, uh, for missions. Um, in this country, it took a severe toll. Uh, in fact, just, well, I just mentioned a moment ago, you know, John Lewis going up and, and uh, dealing with the Native Americans up there. One reason, you look back at the history of missions to Native Americans in America, one reason that it hadn't been more successful is because of what we've done to them. And, and I'm talking about an attitude of, of superiority that was often portrayed, um, and not to mention uh, a lot of times just the, the, the ill treatment and cheating and so forth that was going on. I was, um, some, some of the stories are just, are just hard to believe. It was actually a missionary uh, that was uh, behind. You've probably heard of the, the Trail of Blood where they moved them from the east out to the central United States to relocate them. Now, many of them died. Many of them didn't make the trip. And it was actually a, uh, the idea of a missionary who I think did have good intentions, but, uh, but a very bad idea. And, and it, it, those kinds of things take a toll. On, on, on our commission, on our great commission. It does damage to our witness. So be indiscriminate. In other words, it doesn't matter what their ethnicity is. This is a Samaritan woman. In, in Jesus' culture, I mean, this is considered the low lives. And he's not, he's not respecting that cultural bias. He's disregarding it. And, and he, this is what he does, part of his character. <clears throat> women, in general, even in the Jewish community, Jewish women were looked down upon. But Jesus would serve them. He would heal them. He would speak to them. He would be served by them. In other words, he had, he had women traveling with him, ministering to him, ministering to his needs. So... Uh, you know, and you can think of other cases. He was ministering to the Roman centurion. Romans, of course, weren't thought well of because they were the oppressor. You can think of people like the tax collectors. And Jesus served, lived and served above the biases. They, those things have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. I mean, he stood and told the Pharisees, prostitutes are entering the kingdom while you're being left out. So those things have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Male, female, rich, poor, evangelize them. Black, white. And when I say evangelize, I don't mean some kind of cold, you know, just hit them with a message. I mean love them. Love them. That's another uh, the encouraging thing. Reading these missionary stories, it is the ones that would go in and did not, you know, put on airs, did not have an attitude of superiority, and they'd go in and live with the people and just love them and not only tell them the truth but show them the truth. That's what I mean by evangelize. Evangelize them. Rich, poor, black, white, Democrat, Republican, conservative, liberal. <laughs> Those things have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. Nothing. So we can't, we can't be biased in those things. 
in our evangelism. Our, our, what, what we're here for is to reach the world with the gospel. The gospel. So be indiscriminate. Live above and serve uh, above the cultural biases, or any biases for that matter. I think that's what Jesus is doing here. <clears throat> Thirdly, major on majors. This is just a way of prioritizing, okay? You know, you've heard the old saying, we always say, don't major on minors. Um, so, major on majors. And I like, I talked about this a little bit this morning, but I, but I, I really like, this is another thing that I, that I do intentionally try to work at. I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, skilled at it, but, but um, I, I love how, how Jesus keeps the conversation moving in the direction He wants it to go. Now, that's a good thing to practice. I mean, you say, well, now wait a minute. That's, this is Jesus, and, you know, He's God in the flesh, and, um, and, and, you know, plus, you know, He doesn't make a bad call. He's always right. How, how are we going to manipulate a conversation? Well, I, you know, I'm, I'm meaning just keep it focused on God. Keep it going, in the, keep it moving in a, a gospel centered direction. You know, because sometimes you, you can go, and I'm sure Brother Carl can tell you a million stories like this, but you, you can go and try to share the gospel with somebody, and, and, then, and then when they get a second, it's kind of like this woman here asking about where to worship. When they, when they get a breath to, t- to say something, they say something like, well, who did Adam's children marry? You know, where did the women come from that they married? Well, and then you get all sidetracked trying to explain... Where Cain found a wife. And that's got very little to do with the gospel. So keep it, keep it focused. Major on majors. I'm not saying don't ever attempt to answer those questions, but, but you can tell a lot of times in a conversation when, when you're getting distracted from what really matters. So major on the majors. Now, what Jesus does is this. First of all, I, I pointed this part out this morning in verse 7. He initiates the conversation, and right off the bat, he's got it going that direction. Give me a drink. Now, why does he ask for a drink? You say, well, because he's tired, and they're at a well, and he wants some water. That's probably all true, but he's, he's planning already to talk about living water. So his first, the first words out of his mouth, he's taking the conversation in a, in a direction intentionally, in a specific direction. So give me a drink. And then when she says, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, since uh, Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans? Notice what he does again in verse 10. He doesn't get into the, you know, well, you know, I'm, I'm equal opportunist, you know, I'm not a racist or whatever. He, does, he doesn't get all sidetracked with, with that either. He says, look, if you knew the gift of God. So now he, he goes right into talking about the gift of God and living water. And eternal life. If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying you give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you. See, He's already talking about her need and what He can supply. Instead of getting sidetracked with side issues, with secondary issues. If you knew the gift of God, He's staying focused. (coughs) Majoring on majors. 
And it's all about the glory of God. I mean, he's trying to steer her uh, toward the true God. The person of Christ. The gift of God. If you knew who it, who it was who speaks to you. He's talking, obviously, about himself. I would give you living water. He's, we're we're going to see. He's talking about eternal life. So, he's majoring on majors. The gift of God. The person of Christ. The eternal life. not getting tangled up in things that don't matter. Disputes like, should we worship at Mount Gerizim or in Jerusalem? Even when she brings that up, um, he deflects it. He says, um, focused on the heart problem like we talked about this morning. In other words, he zeroes in on her sin. Verse 16, go call your husband and come here. Well, now you know, and I think here, <coughs> this is where we need to especially pray for wisdom and discernment. Because um, you might be sitting here thinking, okay, Jesus knows this lady's had five husbands. He knows that she's living with a man who's not her husband. And when I, I've never witnessed to somebody and known all those kinds of particulars about them, so how does this apply to me? Uh, well, again... A lot of times, just in getting to know somebody, you, you can pick up on a lot of things. And it may not be the specifics like, like uh, uh, how many husbands they've had or something like that. But, but you can tell oftentimes um, what they're focused on, you know, where their heart is, where their weaknesses are. And you can address those things in a similar manner. Again, the main point is just that Jesus is staying on the major things. He's focusing on her need, her sin, and on the remedy for it. So he says, you're right, saying, I have no husband. You have had five husbands. The one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. <coughs> she, side, she tries to sidetrack him, and he goes right back to majoring on majors again. Verse 21. Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Now, that's kind of interesting because he's, he's, he's saying you... She's a religious person. The Samaritans were religious. You're worshiping in ignorance. So now he's, he's dealing with that. You don't know the truth. You don't know the true God. We Jews know. And so he's going he's to tell her. So again, he's majoring on majors. And he points her to genuine or authentic worship. So he's focused on the glory of God, the gift of God, the person of Christ, eternal life, her heart problem, her sin, true worship, and that's where he's been taking her all along. <clears throat> Worship, and this is where he comes to um, verse 20, 22. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. Salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now this is major. 
Because right? what he said, she doesn't even know what she's worshiping. Nicodemus, religious man, didn't even understand earthly things related to religion, much less heavenly things. Paul goes into Athens, worshipers everywhere in ignorance. And Paul stands up and tells them, you know, that which you worship in ignorance or ignorantly, I've, I've come to declare to you. He, he confronts their ignorance with the truth. So he's majoring on majors. There's a total misconception about worship here and Jesus is going to deal with it. And as I said a moment ago, this is part of where he's been going the whole time. Um, and this is why. Worship is not a means to an end. It's the end. <clears throat> Worship is not a means to an end. It's the end. In other words, the reason we evangelize is because we want people to worship the true God. And that's what we're, we're seeking to do as well. Worship the true God in spirit and in truth. That, that's the end. We don't worship in order to get something. We're, we're trying to get to uh, the ultimate place of worship. <clears throat> the end of our salvation where there's no more hindrance of sin and we're in His presence forever adoring Him as we ought to have done all along. And that, that's central to evangelism. In other words, we, we've got to have a desire to get everybody else in the same place. Let me, let me, let me show you Paul's heart here um, before we finish up in Romans 15. Just briefly. Romans 15 and verse 8. <clears throat> Paul writing to the church at Rome. And if you need, if you want a like a kind of a list, if you say, give me some passages from, uh, let's say from the Old Testament, give me some passages from the Old Testament that shows me that God wants all peoples to worship Him. Paul already made it for us. The Holy Spirit gave it to us through the pen of Paul here. <clears throat> Not an exhaustive list, but, but it's a list. Verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. Now, so far there he's talking about all Jews, the, the circumcised, the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Verse 9. In order that the Gentiles might glorify God for His mercy. Now that is the term nation. In order that the nations... So Paul says, God, God became a servant to the circumcised, that is to the Jews, to show His faithfulness, or truthfulness rather, in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, in order that the nations might glorify God for His mercy. As it is written. Now, Paul's the apostle to the Gentiles. And he doesn't, um, he, he, he probably expects, uh, you know, some, somebody, where are you getting this stuff, Paul? Salvation's for Jews. Where are, you, where are you getting this stuff, Paul? So, he goes ahead and gives it. As it is written. Now he's going to quote 
several Old Testament passages that, passages that bear out what he's just said. The first one being Psalm 1849. Therefore, this is verse 9, Romans 59, Therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. That's the nations. Among the nations. Therefore I will praise you among the nations and sing to your name. And then Paul says in verse 10, and again it is said, and he quotes another one, Deuteronomy 32, 43, Rejoice, O nations, Gentiles, with His people. He's that far back, calling them to rejoice with the Jews, the chosen people. Rejoice in God. And again, verse 11, Paul says, and he quotes Psalm 117, 1, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol Him. Notice the plural there. All peoples. Let all the peoples extol Him. That is, extol God. There's only one God. He's not just the God of the Jews or just the God of the Christians. There's one God, and so it's our job as Christians to proclaim that message to the world. There's one way of salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. There's one true God to worship, the God of the Bible. And so, verse 12, again, Paul says, again, Isaiah says, and he quotes Isaiah 11:10, the root of Jesse will come. That, of course, is Jesus. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. So Paul's saying this has been God's plan all along to get the nations worshiping Him, praising Him, rejoicing in Him. And that's where Jesus is taking this woman in John 4. He's talking to her about true worship. Worship in spirit and in truth. And He's doing that with one of these peoples. John, that is, she's from a people group that the Jews did not think of as acceptable and worth reaching, reaching out to. But the Gospel is, you know, we know after Jesus' death and resurrection goes to all peoples. That is the commission now. Lastly, and before I even do that, just to reiterate, worship is not a means to an end, it is the end. What Jesus, what Jesus is talking about there, worship in spirit and truth, that, that is major. That's the end. That, that we get to the place of true, authentic worship. That we get the nations to that place. I mean, that's the purpose in evangelizing. To have everybody join in worshiping the true God. Forsaking idolatry. Okay, lastly. Very simple Present Jesus. That kind of sums it all up. But that's verse 26. That's, that's how he winds up with her. She says, I know the Messiah is coming. She knows about the Messiah. Like I say, she's, she's in a, a religious culture. They have some distinctions from the Jews, but you know they, they, they derive from the same religion. They held to the, the books of the Torah, the, the, the Pentateuch, um, as Scripture. They were a religious people. She says, I know, I know that the Messiah is coming, He who is called Christ. When He comes, He will tell us 
all things. And Jesus said to her, I am the one speaking to you. That is, the one speaking to you, I am. I who speak to you am He. So, he, he just kind of finishes there by just saying, I'm the one. Just presenting Himself. And that's, that's where you know, all evangelism has to go. That's what it's all about, right? Presenting Jesus. I mean, we're not, we're not, it's not a self-help thing. We're not giving people a better way to live, so to speak. Pointing them to Christ. It is a better way to live, but, but this is not just a you know, help out your situation thing. We're pointing them to Christ, the Savior of the world. He's the one. There is no other. So, take the advantages, the opportunities that come. Uh, learn to seize them. Learn to recognize them and seize them. Um, be indiscriminate. That is, evangelize everybody. No discrimination in evangelism and worship. Major on majors and present Jesus. Boy, I know that don't say near all of it, but <laughs> just a few things <clears throat> from what he's uh, from the account we have there. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we do pray for your wisdom in all of these things, Lord. Lord, that you may be pleased to use us to reach out in this community with hearts that truly desire to. See the lost saved. See people who are living for self and involved in all forms of idolatry. Come in, know you, and experience true worship of the true God. Grant us a desire, Lord, to see You glorified in the way that You've chosen to be glorified through the nations coming to You to praise You, to rejoice in You, to worship You, to submit to You. Lord, use us to that end. Help us to be mindful as we go through our daily routines. This is what we're here for. To evangelize all peoples. To worship You. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.